Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to The World in 10, the big news stories of the day explained and analysed by The Times of London. Today with Stuart Willey and Bhavani Vadi. Donald Trump won big last night in Iowa, but eyes were on second place. We hear what this all means for the campaign's trajectory. It was a result that was never really in doubt, but Donald Trump won the Iowa caucuses decisively last night. It was the extent of his landslide that surprised some, his Republican challengers way behind. This is the biggest win. This is a... They said, well, if you win by 12 percent, that's a big win. That's going to be very hard to do. Well, I think we more than doubled that, I guess, tripled it, maybe. I want to congratulate Ron and Nikki for having a a good, a good time together. We're all having a good time together. With the drama focused on who would get second place, The Times' US editor David Charter went to the campaign headquarters of Ron DeSantis. I'm here at the watch party for Ron DeSantis where they're just taking down all the signs after a speech from the Florida governor that put the bravest face on a, a second place, a distant second place to Donald Trump in the Iowa caucuses really suggests the trajectory of this race has been set. We saw Vivek Ramaswamy drop out and I think most of his support will in future states will go to Trump. I think what Republicans have shown here tonight is that they don't want tribute acts when the old hitmaker is still touring. The old hitmaker, along with his two challengers, head for New Hampshire next. And with almost nothing between the two second-place getters, there's no clear lead challenger for Mr Trump. But that could change next week. Polls show third-place getter Nikki Haley much closer behind Trump there than in Iowa. With Mr Trump the clear favourite to win the Republican nomination and opinion polls pointing to a victory in a rematch with Joe Biden, thoughts are now turning to what a second Trump presidency could look like. This morning, Belgium's Prime Minister warned it would leave Europe on its own. And this is senior British politician Michael Gove giving his take on Times Radio. He's unique, a force of nature. When you meet him, there's just a torrential flow of conversation. He's like the sort of the biggest primate in the room, um, in any room. But as a politician, it's incumbent on all of us, whoever the President of the United States is, to make that relationship work. Uh, but is he dangerous? Do... He might well pull out of NATO. I, I don't think that's likely to be the case. However, 
whoever the American people choose as their president, and it is their choice, we have a responsibility to work with them because the relationship that we have with the United States is so important. That relationship is the focus of an op-ed in The Times today. The US ambassador to Britain, Jane Hartley, argues the transatlantic partnership is more important than ever as we face the Israel-Hamas war and other conflicts. She says it's time to recommit to strengthening the special relationship. Here on the World in 10, we've been closely following the developments in the Red Sea. And yesterday, there was another attack by Houthi militants on a US-owned cargo ship off the coast of Yemen. The militant group has been attacking commercial ships they say are linked to Israel or bound for Israel's ports in protest at the war in Gaza since November. More than a trillion dollars of trade goes through that crucial artery every year. Yes, the world's second largest oil company, Qatar Energy, stopped its shipping operations via the route yesterday, while the German shipping giant Hapag Lloyd stopped sending ships through the Red Sea at the end of last year. The company's head of communications, Nils Haupt, told Times Radio of the challenges involved. We had an attack on one of our ships on the 18th of December. Some containers were damaged, some containers fell in in the Red Sea, and uh, there was a fire on board which could only be extinguished after six hours. That convinced us, you know, that it is no longer safe to go through the Red Sea and uh, then later through the Suez Canal. And you have to think about the crews, right? It is not about the damage of a ship. It is not about the containers of the customers. Of course, this is important as well. But we have 23 to 25 people on board who are fathers, sons, daughters, mothers. And you can imagine that that this means not only a loss of time and longer transportation times, but it also means lots of additional fuel. And even more so as we have to speed up to to catch up with the with the loss of time. Last week, U.S. and U.K. forces struck Houthi targets in Yemen to try to prevent further Houthi strikes. And yesterday, Britain's Prime Minister Rishi Sunak didn't rule out further action. So what is the next stage in the conflict with the Houthis? This is what Richard Spencer, the Times correspondent in Tel Aviv, had to say. I don't think anyone thinks that these attacks by the US and UK on Houthi targets will actually bring an end to the attacks. It may lessen their capacity somewhat. Um, I've seen it suggested that a third of their capacity has been uh, affected. But that still leaves them able to fire these um, medium-range missiles at shipping um, pretty easily. I mean, it's quite cheap to make a missile that can hit a big ship. Berlin was brought to an absolute standstill yesterday by thousands of tractors and farm vehicles all converging at the iconic Brandenburg Gate. German farmers are protesting against the government's decision to abolish agricultural diesel subsidies and get rid of the road tax exemption for farm vehicles. Both of these policies aimed at plugging the 17 billion euro hole in the government's budget. The demonstrations are now entering their second week, despite the German government offering a number of concessions. The Times' Berlin correspondent, Oliver Moody, says the farmers' grievances run much deeper. Anger among German farmers has been building for some years now, particularly over what they feel are excessive environmental and animal welfare regulations. And so quite often we have seen tractors blockading streets in Berlin. I mean, certainly 
the five years I've been here, it's been happening on a pretty much annual basis. What is unusual here is partly the sheer scale of it and partly the real kind of intensity bordering on hatred that a lot of the protesters seem to be bringing. And we have seen already from the Gilets Jaunes movement in France and the farmers' protests in the Netherlands how politically explosive this kind of demonstration can be, not least because a lot of voters feel very sympathetically towards farmers, feel that they play a very important role in holding society together and are very sensitive to their interest. And as a result, the German government is very, very much on tenterhooks and very keen to try and resolve this issue. Oliver tells us these farmers' protests are the most visible element of what is a broader wave of upheaval in German politics. You can discover more with a Times digital subscription. Another week, another glitzy awards ceremony. This time, the Emmys in Los Angeles, with big prizes going to the TV drama Succession, comedy drama The Bear and the sitcom Abbott Elementary. Now, trivia quiz time. Ooh! At that ceremony, one superstar has become an EGOT, part of a select club of people who have won an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar and a Tony Award. Bhavani, how many people do you think are on this list? Uh, Not many. Um, You've got to be good at drama and music, so maybe Julie Andrews, Andrew Lloyd Webber? One of those is on the list. It's a very exclusive group. Mm -hmm. This legend, who we're about to discover, is just the 19th to join the club. It's pop superstar Elton John. Yes, so Elton John won the Emmy for this performance, a television special of his farewell from Dodger Stadium concert. It's a huge club to join. Other members include Audrey Hepburn, Mel Brooks, Whippy Goldberg, and as you said, Andrew Lloyd Webber. Oh. But surely there are no more awards that Elton could win. You wouldn't think so, but the Times Arts writer Ed Potton says maybe Elton should start writing some literature and get a Pulitzer Prize. (laughs) That way he can become a pegos. That may be an achievement too far. The American dream and the fame and money on offer in the NFL has sensationally snared one of the hottest players in British sport. He's Lewis Rees-Zamet and he plays rugby for Wales as well as Gloucester. But at the age of 22, he's off to join the NFL's international player pathway. His coach and fans are shocked, but he says it's something he's always dreamed of. He'll be aiming to take his speed and physicality to American football. Now, before we go, we'd like to welcome listeners to the World in 10 podcast who've come to us after reading the Times' US newsletter. Every week, it features the latest takes on global news, politics and culture for US subscribers. And you can sign up at thetimes.co.uk. Thank you for taking 10 minutes to stay on top of the world with the help of the Times of London. See you tomorrow.